0: has announced the creation of a new information operations technical training school. First command
1: simply must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate any potential adversary.
0: Air Force basic military training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. (laughs) This is the Developing Mach 21 Airmen podcast. Hey, hey, everybody, thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download, however you might be listening in. If you got a little bit of extra time, we certainly appreciate some stars, even a review of the podcast. Let us know how we're doing, bringing you timely and relevant info across the Recruit, Train, and Educate spectrum. My name is Dan Hawkins from the Air Education and Training Command Public Affairs Office and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing Total Force, Big A Airmen, Insight Tips, Tricks, and Lessons Learned from the Recruiting, Training, and Education field. We're closing in on the end of this calendar year, 2019, hard to believe 2020, right around the corner, and we're back at it on the pod today, which by the way, is episode 21 for the year. So it's been a pretty good year here at developing Mach 21 airmen. A bit of full disclosure here, we recently did a AETC command team Facebook town hall and sat down with Lieutenant General Webb and Chief Gudgel to talk about a variety of different things. But it the conversation mainly centered around the first command's new mission, vision, and priorities that the boss recently outlined. And so General Webb and Chief Gudgel go really in depth into how the mission, vision, and priorities came together. And they also go in depth into each of the four priority areas, which, much like General Webb's nature, align with the letters AETC, the A, Advancing Force Development. So we spend some time there and talk about the focus areas uh, surrounding advancing force development, such as strengthening airmen and squadrons, scaling enterprise force development, and the expansion of strategic relationships. And then we dive into lethality and readiness and how we're going to enhance it. And we talk about things like diversity as a warfighting imperative, as well as the outlook on valuing force generation when it comes to our AETC instructor corps. And we have such an outstanding corps of instructors here in AETC and So we go really in depth uh, on that particular topic. We also talk about building the Premier Integrated Recruiting Service, which is also part of enhancing our lethality and readiness here in AETC. We dive into the T as well, which is the T is transforming the way we learn and the boss talks extensively about learning next as the engine to aggressively and cost-effectively modernize education and training as well as give his thoughts on reorientating from space operations to space warfighting training and education which was one of the go-dos uh, for the command from the chief of staff so and last but not least we discussed the C which stands for cultivating an environment of excellence and we talked to the bosses take on the Air Force core values and quality of life for the command's airmen. We go really in depth here into some topics about resiliency and things happening around AATC. Just a lot on this podcast, again taken from our Facebook town hall with the command team that we did a week or so ago. So settle in, buckle up, away we go with episode 21 of Developing Mach 21 Airmen. Good afternoon AETC. Welcome into the first ever AETC Command Team Facebook Town Hall Live and I'm so excited today to be joined by Lieutenant General Brad Webb, our commander here in AETC as well as our command chief, Chief Master Sergeant Julie Gudgel and sir, chief, this is pretty cool, right? Pretty exciting and a great opportunity to talk to our airmen.
1: A new first. New first from, uh, for me anyway, the social media, you know, we're uh, uh, Chief Gudgel and I are really making a point of uh, trying to reach out in and, and, uh, all the ways that we can, and this has uh, proven in the past to be a really good one, so I really look forward to this uh, session today.
0: Chief, and I know you know connecting with airmen is, is such a top priority for our Air Force leadership today and for all airmen. Really.
2: Oh, it is, and and, you know, it's been really hard to keep General Webb off Twitter, uh, (laughs) as he is tweeting all the time these days. Uh, We are going to get more on Twitter, here we go. Uh, But this is an exciting time for us to share with you our mission, our vision, our priorities today. Because we really think that uh, through your feedback, uh, and through the feedback of the Chief Leadership Course Capstone uh, Project, and. we received a lot of feedback you know, and yeah, probably received some today too. But on where we needed to go with our mission, vision, and priorities. So we hope that you see that these are just as much our priorities as they are yours. And then I believe everyone's going to be able to find their, their place within the AETC priorities now.
0: And I want to remind everybody, if you have a comment or a question, um, we have our public affairs team uh, is monitoring the feed. So please make sure that you drop those questions in the comments, and we'll try to get to as many of those questions uh, as as we can. So I hope you two are ready. We are ready. And I really wanted to start, sir, with you've been in the seat for a few months, and obviously uh, you come from AFSOC, a little bit different of an environment, and you come here to Air Education and Training Command. And and so what has surprised you maybe the most, or or what has been the most exciting things that you've really discovered about the education and training and the recruiting enterprise?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like Donna and I have been here now probably, I would say, three and a half months. And, uh, and it is different uh, than Air Force Special Operations Command uh, and I think that's good. Uh, actually, the scale, the scope and scale of Air Education Training Command is uh, probably the most surprising thing, Dan. The uh, the, the the breadth of the missions uh, that are done here in Air Education Training Command, uh, you know, I've been in the Air Force a long time. And, uh, and but the bottom line is uh, I did not know how much uh, that we actually do. I ha- we have gotten out uh, and about some, but we have a lot more to do uh, as we uh, reach all the, uh, the various uh, edges uh, of the enterprise, uh, but very excited about it. And I can tell you that you know, the, the coolest thing about this is, this is the first command. Uh, and of course, there's not an airman that comes through our Air Force that doesn't touch uh, the first command first. And so uh, we have the, the ability uh, to really kind of mold and shape uh, the future. And you know, you know, of course, we have a saying here, uh, the Air Force starts here. Uh, and to be uh, surrounded by all uh, that are in Air Education Training Command, uh, you know, it's the young, bright eyed, bushy tailed, uh, got a lot, of, uh, a lot of goals, a lot of objectives in life. Uh, that is a really, really exciting part of AETC. I'm, I could not be more uh, pleased to be here. So
0: when you look at, Chief, that BMT graduation every Friday. You guys get to go to that a lot. It just kind of works out that way where that's just part we try. of the description, right? But it's so exciting to go to, to those events and see really where the Air Force, as General Webb mentioned, starts.
2: Hey, you get to see all of America at those BMT graduations. I think one of the most exciting parts I know for me is to see mom and dad run out and see their airmen for the very first time after eight and a half weeks of basic military training, they're going to get, be able to spend that time with them. And, and many times as we walk through that field in graduation, there are marriage proposals happening, reunions happening, and parents who stop you to say, I can't believe this is my child that I sent you eight and a half weeks ago.
1: What did you do to my son? Yeah. What did you do to my daughter?
2: <laughs> but it, that is, And that's the rewarding part. And then, And I always love it, especially at the coining ceremony, when I hear Chief Lee Hoover say, You are now my Air Force brother and sister. Welcome to our Air Force family, the day they become airmen at the coordinating ceremony. So there are so many great things that just happened right down the street from us. We are very fortunate.
0: Really fortunate to be here in the first command. And, sir, this is probably a natural segue to kind of talk about our mission and vision here in AETC. And you just recently... uh, a couple of months ago outlined what those mission, vision, and priorities would be, and we're going to get into those today, but I wanted to start really with the mission and vision and, and our mission of recruiting, training, and educating exceptional airmen. Yeah. Um, what is your take on, on what we do from a mission perspective here in AATC?
1: Yeah, well, the mission, uh, I'm not sure that, you know, we new commanders when will- they come into command uh, are going to want to try to take a look with fresh eyes. that That's one of the it's kind of really one of the tenets of the military. I'm not sure that we changed a word uh, with respect to the mission, uh, recruiting, training, and educating exceptional airmen. Uh, I mean, is fundamentally what AETC is all about. Uh, the the vision aspect of that is, uh, you know, look, us calling ourselves a first command. I'm not sure how far back that dates it could not be more appropriate. Uh, And the character aspect of that uh, and the lethality uh, that's implied therein are fundamental uh, pieces uh, for the Air Force. Uh, And so certainly you would expect that to be part of Air Education Training Command.
0: And, and Chief, when you think about our vision here in AETC developing those airmen of character and the foundation of a lethal force, I, I found it really interesting. And you've said it before. You've talked about like the core values. If you're not talking about those, then you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, how did the vision statement really come together for you?
2: So I want to say it was a collaboration. Uh, so you know, as we started reaching out to the big six, and that's all our AETC NAFs and, and DRUs, they made the contribution to what, uh, what they all contributed to it as far as our vision. So I think it took a few, uh, few email sessions and we finally got it right, but the foundation of a lethal force. Because at the end of the day, what we are creating is lethal ready airmen to go out to our Air Force and then to serve within your squadrons, your groups and your wings.
1: Yeah, and really, the chief, you know, chief nailed it because this is a, this is a collaborative effort, uh, and it was active participation. Uh, so there there was uh, some storming and norming involved uh, in the development of all that that we're going to kind of lay out uh, today. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, everyone uh, uh, contributed to it. Everybody's bought into it. We've uh, uh, you know it's on splash pages in AETC a- 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 uh, now. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we're off and running with respect to mission, mission and vision.
0: And it's really interesting because I think there's a lot of things that go into play as we start to transition into our priorities. And I think a lot of people might be curious like, how are we able to finagle it so everything worked into the AETC <laughs> as perfectly as it did?
1: Yeah, well, that, that's that's another uh, case of uh. Uh, I would say uh, active uh, participation, active storming and norming that occurred. Um, listen, I, I, you know, have, I'm in my eighth command here uh, now uh, at AETC, and uh, and. I, you know, commanders all have ways. Leadership all have ways of going about articulating what their priorities are going to be. I, I like mnemonics. Uh, I, I don't make any uh, bones about that. I, I tend. I've also told the you know the team. I, I kind of like things in threes. You'll notice that A E T and C is not three. It's actually four. Uh, but uh, so uh, I was look. I was interested in something that would resonate uh, resonate with every that's out there, uh, and that could actually uh, you know the feedback that I gotten uh, from. Our charges, even as I took command, was hey, sir, what are the priorities? We have a lot of priorities, but can you tell us what exactly they are? So, the mnemonic aspect of that, you know, in my previous commands, I've had various things. The last one, I had three R's. <laughs> uh, and I actually did not uh, direct the A, the E, the T, and the C. It uh, kind of bubbled up uh, from uh, working teams. And uh, when I saw it, though, I was like, perfect. I mean, that actually <laughs> works really well. So I, I know we'll get into the meat of it in a few minutes, but that that's really kind of how that generated. And you know, when, when it was approached with a, hey sir, we kind of like the AETC. I was like,
0: that's perfect. Yeah. Easy to remember. Yes, sir. Yeah. You
2: Plus, like easy. Plus <laughs> it's on our
0: splash page. So you cannot miss it every day. It's on some t-shirts now too. Yes it is, it's even <laughs> at the
2: gym. I mean, you can't miss it when you're working out now.
0: So let's start out with the A, and a lot of people, you know, may think traditionally force development. Oh, that's like, isn't that A one? Do, doesn't A one do force development? I think that's maybe a lot. A question a lot of people will have is is why the spoke focus on the words force development? I thought we were education and training. So how did advanced force development kind of come together?
1: Yeah, force development uh, was actually uh, it's been a conversation. Uh, at, the, at the highest levels of the uh, senior leadership of the Air Force for probably two or three years now. And about a year and a half ago, uh, through the various AETC commanders that were briefing it, it was General Robertson at the time, uh, the decision was made that a single commander uh, that could be in charge of uh, what's really an extremely important mission uh, for our Air Force, force development, uh, needed to be uh, out of staff and into the command, uh, into a commander. So Air Education Training Command commander was nominated that person. Uh, and so, um, so that decision was made in April of 18. Uh, and yes, air staff and specifically A1 still plays a vital role from, a, from an oversight, from a policy directive uh, kind of standpoint, and certainly they own talent management still. Uh, but the force development aspects and the critical pieces of this are, let's just take the uh, new uh, categories that, uh, uh, that have been recently unveiled uh, for, the, for the new officer categories. Um, We're going from a system of promotion where you have everybody meets in one uh, category to six categories. Uh, How do you develop the flow of a career if you're in a category one or you're in a category four or you're in a category six? Uh, Really important, Uh, whereas command and schools may be important uh, for some career field, maybe a PhD or maybe uh, education with industry is important in another career. And so that needs to be mapped out so that everybody can understand that, especially uh, if they sit in uh, various categories. The last aspect of that I think is pretty important. Uh, it's not uh, nearly as uh, enticing uh, when you say it but it's actually critically important, is how do all these various uh, IT programs that run uh, our ability to do distance learning and every aspect of an airman's uh, record, learning record, how can we ensure that they talk to each other it's easy to say it's much harder to do and someone needed to take that on from a command role and so air education training command has that so i'm actually dual headed as the air education training command commander and also the force
0: development commander absolutely that's a pretty big mission when you use i mean it's hard to eat one sandwich right you got to kind of take that in (laughs) small bites because that is a a huge sandwich to eat but when you talk about scaling enterprise force development, as we start talking a little bit deeper into the force development as a focus area, where where do you see the command working in this area? Uh, well, I mean that that is really what I was just uh, kind
1: of laying out um, the. Uh, you know, many aspects of force development that have now, that have previously been applied uh, in the staff work, in, in staffing, is now at the command uh, level. Uh, and so, you know, I think the perfect example right now is those, uh, is those uh, uh, career development categories. Uh, and really scaling that, meaning to get that out to the whole force. What does appropriate? If if you define a uh, a career, you know, in the enlisted force as a master sergeant or in the officer side as a lieutenant colonel, what does that look like? What does it look like if you go beyond that? That's how you scale that out to the whole
0: force. And I think another key area that uh, I know is very important to you is expanding strategic relationships inside of, the, to advance force development, and we have a lot of strategic <coughs> relationship ties and potential yeah. possibilities moving forward. Yeah, the uh, um, that is a specific area that I would tell you uh,
1: was a surprise to me, how, I mean I knew that the Air Education Training Command had uh, international uh, relationships uh, and, and uh, such, but it, it is way deeper uh, than I gave it credit for, not just in flying training, uh, but also in the myriad of uh, command uh, aspects that we have. Uh, for instance, at Lackland, uh, as an example, uh, with officer exchanges, with the, you know, professional, uh, professionalizing an NCO corps, uh, language programs, uh, that really play us, at the end of the day, are very strategic, uh, very strategic ground for our Air Force, and frankly, for the Department of Defense. Air Education Training Command is really, really deep in that. Uh, So I think we need to acknowledge that uh, there are other obviously important strategic relationships uh, that uh, that we pay attention to, whether it's uh, the civic leader uh, type of program or uh, uh, with uh, Congress as it applies to the number of bases that we have inside of AETC. But from an international standpoint, that was an eye-opener and uh, and frankly it is a really, really critical aspect of AETC.
2: And I would like to jump on in here. So expanding strategic relationships is also with our fellow matchcoms. And one of the things that I don't think we've done well in the past was to have that uh, the messaging out of here's what we're working on and here's what we want to partner with. So our, each of our MASHCOMs has such unique mission sets and uh, through building those relationships and continuing to foster uh, different topics that are important to them, we can now add those into education and training. But it's important that we have that relationship with them off the bat as well from a strategic uh, relationship aspect.
0: And in one other area that you have in advancing force development is strengthening airmen and squadrons. Um, What's the meat of that? What's the heart of that?
2: So, well, you know, you, you listen to the chief of staff, the beating heart of the, you know, is, is that squadron. And that's where, you know, that's a sausage is being made, right? Uh, so when you talk about advancing or strengthening airmen in the squadrons, first we have to be able to, Provide airmen who are well-trained, who are ready for the fight, to those squadrons, ensuring that they're getting the proper tech school training, that they're getting the advanced training they need, and that their leaders are also continuing to get the uh, education they need to be better leaders. But it all starts here. Everything continues to be a foundational process. And as we continue to refine our processes through their feedback to us, we're going to be able to enhance this to continue to make squadrons uh, better for our airmen and I really think too, operationally relevant for what, what their request is from us in ADTC. And
0: that's a nice bow on advancing force development. and. Wow, seems like we talked about We only got through one sir. so we're gonna, we need to roll to the, to the second letter here. Right. But we're going to roll right into enhancing lethality and readiness. Yeah. And I think that's such a perfect nest underneath the, the Air Force line of effort when it comes to lethality and readiness as well as the OSD as a whole. Um, but what does enhancing lethality and readiness mean uh, for AATC? Well, th-
1: yeah, uh, right. The... You, you probably we probably said now I don't know three or four times you've heard the word lethal, uh, and uh, that's absolutely intentional. Uh, the warrior uh, ethic uh, is uh, absolutely a must uh, inside our Air Force. Obviously, it starts here in AETC, uh, so we want to acknowledge that right up front. So when you talk about how do you have a warrior ethos or how do you ensure you have lethality, uh, you know what do we mean when we say that? And so. There's there's a couple of key initiatives that we own, frankly, inside the Air Education and Training Command family that we need to to properly address. Recruiting, Air Force Recruiting Services, a part of AETC, obviously. Uh, And believe it or not, for the first time uh, since the. The founding of the Air Force, we are we are approaching recruiting holistically. Uh, we are looking at active duty. We're looking at uh, reserve, uh, National Guard. Whether you serve in a civilian capacity, we want all that to be uh, addressed in kind of a one-stop shopping. In other words, if a, if a person were to come off the street uh, and come into a recruiting office, uh, the question should be, how How do you want to serve? Do you want to serve in an, a full-time capacity? Do you want to serve as a part-time capacity? Do you want to be a uniform? would you like to be a civilian and you can you can uh, that that uh, ask or that need can be addressed uh, right there instead of sending them down the street to hey you're gonna have to go talk to a a reserve uh, component or something like that Uh, that's a that again another one that's very easy to say much much harder to pull off uh, uh, but I but I think that uh, Air Force Recruiting Service is doing a fantastic uh, job in that account Um, Another aspect uh, that's really vital to this lethality piece is diversity. Uh, We hear the Chief of Staff uh, of the Air Force, General Goldfein, all the time talk about uh, Uh, diversity as a warfighting imperative, Uh, and we have, frankly, a lot of uh, room for uh, improvement Uh, to move the needle, so to speak, on this scale. Uh, Whether it's uh, ethnic uh, makeup that looks like uh, America or the gender uh, aspect of that as well. So there are a number of programs. In fact, uh, we participate in routine uh, battle-rhythm events with the Headquarters Air Force on rated diversity, diversity in cyber, diversity in space, uh, diversity in a number of uh, key areas uh, that, uh, at the end of the day, the point is um, and given this national defense strategy and the challenges that we have as a nation. Uh, we need problem solvers that can come at all angles of approach and that doesn't come from one slice of America. That comes from all slices of America. At the end of the day America was founded uh, as a very diverse nation that needs to be reflected in the service and uh, that is a key a bit of enhancing lethality and readiness that, uh, that cannot be uh, understated. It can't be overstated,
0: and there. The other area in enhancing lethality and readiness is valuing force generation, and mm-hmm. I think on paper somebody might go, I don't even really know what that means, but Chief, uh, I think this is an area that's definitely near and dear to your heart, and there's a, a lot of things that uh, we're doing as a command to, to value our instructor core and assignments in the ATC.
2: Is it? We can't do what we do without having the proper instructors coming here to ATC. It starts off with, first of all, the best recruiters in the world that we have out there. And they are, uh, well, they're outnumbered. But we get the best recruiters out there to bring these airmen in. And, and for those career field managers out there for releasing that kind of quality NCO to us is very important. We will have not, never have the numbers. And then moving on to basic military training with your MTIs and, M- and then on training with your MTLs, if we don't have the right workforce, the right NCOs, the right leadership in place to bring these airmen through whether it's BMT or OTS we're never making it past the first command. So when you look at force generation, it's continuing to build on those, those great special duties, not only to do them while you are in AETC, but to take the expertise and the skills that you've learned from here, take it back to the field, vice versa. To bring the skills that you learned in an operational unit and teach these airmen in AETC that are coming through under under your guidance.
0: And one of the steps that was recently taken was reducing tour lengths for MTIs uh, and MTLs.
2: Yes. And so take a look back is what happens if you are out of your job for four years. So Dan, if you weren't able to do public affairs for four years, you know, you get that skill atrophy happening. You're you're sort of out of the loop. Technology is training, believe you know, is it's changing. You know, whether you're a defender or your supply or you're a medic, you're gonna miss out on a lot. The other piece of it is uh curriculum managers do not wanna give all of their airmen up for four years at a So you have some of the best airmen we want to be instructors. If we tell them we're going to take them for four plus years, they're never going to give them up. So what this has done is provided us an opportunity for three years, uh, three-year tours with our MTIs and MTLs, and it's also provided career field managers the opportunity to push people towards these special duties that they wouldn't have done in the past, uh, knowing that they're going to get them back after three years and I think the one element that we don't talk a lot about is the family. The family is impacted. These are long hours. Uh, these are stressful jobs and uh, and obviously these Airmen love what they do. But it takes a toll on the family so we need to ensure that uh, we also get them back to that operational unit where they can share what they've learned and then also get the family back to a, a, another battle rhythm as well.
0: So. Obviously, and you guys see it all the time, you're on the road, but our instructor corps, our MTIs, our MTLs, I mean, it's such a professional workforce. And, and you mentioned the hours. I mean, it's just incredible what our team does on, on a daily basis. I mean, to and it, the, the workload is, is huge.
2: It is, but you'll see, you know, everyone's like, didn't they cut the hours at basic military training? Well, they work a normal day, but it's the preparation. It's the practice. It's You see some of them you know, coming in over the holidays to check on their folks. And so it's a caring group of professionals who will always put more than the d- duty day in, whether they're at home prepping or they're at the squadron practicing with other TIs. So it, yeah, yeah, it's a professional bunch. I'm in awe every time. And I do jump to attention every time they start screaming and hollering, uh, yeah. It, they haven't lost their touch on me.
0: And it's always so interesting whenever I get a chance to go to, to basic military training or even to some of our tech schools and I talk to the instructors, they really do love what they're doing. It, it's very rewarding to be an
2: instructor. It is, and actually last Friday they just named uh, Tech Sergeant Rebecca Matron, the 2019 MTI of the Year in front of her peers and, you know, speaking with her afterwards, this was huge. You know, this is something that she has been working towards her uh, entire career and, and as an MTI. I can tell you that, uh, you know, never seen such a caring individual uh, out there. Well, they're all caring individuals. But, again, just just the work she puts into every day to practice and and be the best TI she can be. Congratulations, Rebecca.
1: Uh, You know, uh, the chief uses the word professional. You heard it several times, and that is the natural word uh, that would come out uh, in my experience. Uh, I haven't had a lot of experience uh, prior to this job uh, uh, with BMT, but the MTI, the MTL, for sure. I mean, that is the word that would just leap out of your mouth. You know, it's also important to probably acknowledge on this uh, force generator uh, aspect. It isn't just MTI and TL, Of course, that's critically important. It's uh, it's instructor pilots. It's instructor uh, career enlisted aviators. Uh, that uh, that you know, frankly, General Golfing has, has given me a you know kind of a charge of hey, keep me honest. Uh, that we are getting uh, and uh, and uh, t- and taking care of. Uh, this high quality product that we have, that are th- that is the instructor cadre, whether it's platform instructors or whatever else that we have inside of AETC. So we're intent on doing that, and that's why it's uh, that's why it's a listed as a priority for us.
0: And so we'll. We'll move on, we, we have got a few questions. and We're gonna to get to those after we wrap up the priorities, so I wanted to again, uh, if you have a question, please feel free to drop it in the comments and we'll definitely work it into the broadcast and if we can't get to it, we'll, we'll follow up with them and answer those questions. But I wanted to, to move into the T of your mission, vision, priorities and that's transforming the way we learn and the first one right out the gate is aggressively and cost effectively modernizing education and training. and, and I think- I think that's kind of where your learning next kind of falls into sir can kind of talk to learning next and what that means yeah pro-
1: probably a real uh plum if you will that uh, when people from outside of aetc talk about uh, air education training command uh, it's that whole uh, what we what you could call learning next you know really uh and that is how are we taking Uh, the skills that uh, we have the the teaching methods that we've had for a number of years and really developing that into a 21st century style Uh, and so uh, the kind of the flagship program for us the last couple of years has been uh, one that we call pilot training next Uh, that's that unique blend of taking technology uh, specifically uh, artificial intelligence uh, virtual reality uh, big data analytics uh, and applying education methods that really make it student-centered, uh, that, uh, that, are foc- that are focused on competency as opposed to a timeline, uh, that we can reap uh, efficiency and effectiveness out of it. Uh, that's, that's been a program that's been off the ground now for a few years in the experimental phase and we're looking to scale that uh, in the near future uh, broadly across all of AETC. But that's also begat a number of other efforts maintenance next uh, tech school uh, training next uh, RPA uh, training and frankly any area uh, where it is obvious that you can you can use that beautiful nexus of uh, technology and new learning methods uh, because of that we have uh, chief learning officers and all kinds of Educators that are helping us with this program—it holds a lot of promise—and is really kind of a flagship program for us. And obviously, we're going to pay to, uh, pay attention to that going forward.
2: Yeah, and, and you know the greatest part about this is commanders and chiefs are not afraid to take risk, try new things. And I, I think that our our NAF commanders within AETC have really empowered uh, their squadron commanders and uh, senior enlisted to take that kind of risk, try new things, branch out. Uh, maybe go out and try some new technology that someone hadn't thought about previously, and if it failed, well, let's try something a little bit different. It's been exciting to watch, and then our airmen are really reaping the benefits, whether they're pilots or uh, they're enlisted or there are civilian airmen, we're learning in new and different ways. and. The best part about this is we've been able to look at tech training on the enlisted side as well and say, what is relevant? Do we really need to teach our airmen to this level or do we need to teach them the, the basic skills they need to know and allow them to go out to their match comms and then receive the matchcom-esque kind of training that uh, they'll receive when they arrive? So it's also about their time. And,
0: General Webb, when you talk about Space warfighting training and education, and, and that shift in our in our mindset. Yeah. Obviously, with all the talk about space force and, and a huge focus on space yeah. right now, um, where do you see the first command trending to uh, in that department? Yeah, well, uh, actually, you know, that's a huge
1: uh, topic, and it has huge implications for AETC. Uh, the space warfighting training and education are both fundamental. Uh, to making this successful in our Air Force and uh, in, in, in however uh, shape that the Space Force uh, is developed. Uh, training uh, is, is, I think, well uh, done uh, and probably will sustain uh, in very much in like fashion uh, going forward in AETC. Education, uh, we will uh, be needing to work very, very closely with General Raymond and his charges uh, to ensure that uh, we educate our airmen uh, with the proper space uh, knowledge and skills that, that they need to be you know, properly educated, certainly for the Space Force so that we have them at the absolute zenith of their professional capability, and also to ensure that we are educating a, uh, space, uh, a space cadre. Uh, that that really can lead the way. So that'll be a big lift for us. And and I'll tell you the other thing is there's a huge uh, uh, nugget that I got from watching um, our new secretary, Secretary Barrett, and her testimony is that she's expecting uh, the Air Force to be able to develop uh, space warfighting, space warfighters as an ethos, have that proper warfighting ethos. That That is going to fall square in the Air Education Training Command, uh, and it'll be a big charge with uh, not only us, but Air University as well. Uh, so that that's a biggie. That'll be a biggie
0: for us. So, a lot going on, and obviously, the transforming the way we learn. Obviously, we have a lot of tales with working with Hathworks. We have our technology integration detachment at Austin. It's really exciting yeah. times in AETC. <laughs> I mean, if you can't be excited about that, I mean, it's just the way people learn now. We have to adjust and adapt with the times.
2: Exactly. I agree.
0: So we'll get to the to the last letter here, and gosh, it's only the fourth letter, but we've talked about a lot. We still have a lot to talk about cultivating an environment of excellence and chief uh, and General Webb. I know this is a, a topic that's really near and dear to your heart because taking care of airmen and their families is yeah. probably the most important job that our commanders and leaders have and our command chiefs. Um, but it all kind of starts with that culture of of the core values in the Air Force, and yeah. I know i Heard you talk about it before, General Webb. and yeah. uh, there's some that probably haven't. So, uh, what's your take on the Air Force core values, and why was it important enough that you felt like it needed to be a focus area for us in ATC?
1: Yeah, the you know I guess you know kind of briefly because I I, I I could easily go too long on this, but the values aspect. Um, uh, in previous commands I kind of had taken for granted. Uh, uh, you know, obviously we have a blue book, everybody knows uh, the Air Force Core values and I kind of made that assumption and, uh, and kind of leapt right ahead to priorities. Uh, and, uh, and you can do that to the detriment and we have some cases around our military where if you uh, if you reflect on some of the headlines where you can see a slip in values and why is that? Uh, It's because, and sometimes, we have a high operations tempo, we have a, a lack of resources, uh, and if we're not talking, and if we're not building that firm foundation of core values, and I think the Air Force core values in, in our case are perfectly uh, legitimate and perf- you know, perfect. Uh, but if we're not reinforcing that, and certainly as the first command at Air Education and Training Command, if we're not addressing uh, values as fundamental, you can go to a dark place. Uh, and so I just kind of doubled down on myself and said, hey, when we, when we articulate the priorities for this command, up front, certainly in the first command, uh, is going to be uh, uh, ensuring that we're addressing in every forum core values is being fundamental to us. And, I, you know, Chief, you can probably talk to the quality of life. Huh? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, how do we embody and cultivate an environment of excellence? And it starts with those values. But it also continues with each and every one of us and so as we look on this last year and in the year previous is we've had uh, we've had an uptick in suicides one suicide is too many uh, so far uh, we have 77 in our air force and i believe uh, 304 across dod and so we have to look beyond programs uh, Because you are the program, we are the program that the Air Force has put into place, the leadership, the peers. We need to ensure that we are having those kind of talks and relationships with our airmen to connect and understand uh, what they're going through. And I think when we look at the core values and then we look at cultivating an environment of excellence, it starts the day that, that lieutenant or that airman arrives from from training. And we bring them into our Air Force and we understand a little bit more about them. We get to know them, their families. We get to know a little bit about what they're struggling with, what, what is important to them, and, uh, and also understanding where they come from. Because when we start digging further into these suicides, the one thing that we, we identify is... We didn't truly understand that airman. We didn't understand that they were dealing with financial issues. We didn't understand that they were having relationship problems because when an airman asks, how are you doing? What's going on? And they say, just leave me alone. It's so easy to walk away because no one wants to be intrusive in other people's business. So we're asking you to be intrusive leaders, to get into the business, to ask that airman what's going on. And if you have a strong spidey sense that something isn't right, I'd rather take the hit of a, someone saying that I'm being too pushy versus uh, doing next to kin notification. Yeah, and you, and I know we've talked a little
0: bit about it, but those four <laughs> pillars around the comprehensive airman fitness... Uh, Every one of those pillars is important to an airman's mental health and fitness.
2: Yeah, so we've got you know these four pillars have sort of gone away a little bit. We haven't heard a lot about mental, physical, social, and spiritual. But the one thing that we've noticed is when we talk about these four pillars, is people are they get to spiritual and they're like spiritual. You know, it's they're afraid to talk about spiritual. Well, spiritual is your values that you grew up on. It might be your religion. It might be your beliefs. It might be nature. It It might be uh, what your family found important. And so as an Air Force, we can't shy away from the spiritual piece because that's what people turn to when they're facing a you know, hardship. That is, no matter what it is, it's, it's that guiding light for them. And so I would encourage those uh, commanders and, and senior leaders out there is don't shy away from the fourth uh, comprehensive airman fitness uh, pillar. Get after all of them because you need to be a well-balanced airman. So the mental, physical, social, and spiritual creates you as that whole person, I guess, concept. Yeah, and when
0: when you do have airmen that are, you know, experiencing tough times and you know that there's a lot of great programs at all of our AATC bases um, – when it comes to our IDS agencies and the, and the different options, the, the chaplain corps, as, as you mentioned the, from the spiritual side, um, a lot of great programs like the 21 days of positivity Advance that we saw. Uh, what a great message. Um, so, you know, what would be your message to airmen when it comes to figuring out the right way to connect with one another?
2: Know each other, be kind, um, get to know that airman in your office. Uh, you know, We hear all the time that that person was disconnected. They're the weakest link in our chain. Well, they're only the weakest link in your chain is because you've not gotten to know them and you don't know what they're struggling with. And through your support and your guidance and your friendships, they don't have to be the weakest link anymore. So go out there. We hear so many great stories of supervisors and fellow airmen who push the boundaries hard to ensure that that airman was taken care of. So, again, if you are concerned, don't walk away from it. Uh, continue to, to take care of your fellow airmen. You know, and I think another issue that we struggle with is, is the um, stigma of going to mental health. Is If I get to mental health, what's going to happen to my career? And what we're finding out is less than 1% would ever be in jeopardy of losing their clearance or their do not arm. But the most important thing right then and there is you get the help that you need. We will figure out, they do not arm, and we'll figure out the clearance stuff later. But we need to get you there. You shouldn't shy away from it. We see a lot of great airmen return back to to arming up and and getting their top secret clearances back. The other piece about it is... If you, if you go to the Hop and you're concerned and you're not getting the appointment you need, because right now that's an issue and when we did our resiliency tactical pause, we heard a lot of airmen say, I can't get a mental health appointment. Well, there is an issue. There's a nationwide shortage of mental health professionals. And so we don't want you to stop. There's a Hop process where you can go and get screened. And uh, there's also walking right into mental health to ask for that assistance. Airman Family Readiness Center usually has an Black on standby. We have different lines you can call through a military one source, your first sergeants. So if you ever feel like you're being turned away and you can't get that appointment to mental health, please don't just walk away. There are so many of us that want to help you. We want to be that guiding light to walk you through the process and get you the appointment and the help you need.
0: And, and we did get a question, actually. That's one of the questions was, has the tactical pause uh, been seen as helpful overall? Um, and I'm guessing without context for leadership, uh, did that help you? And will there be more pauses?
2: That was one of the questions we got. I think it was just tactical pause wasn't supposed to fix it. It was supposed to start that conversation back up. Yeah. And so I, I know that General Webb and I were surprised. We sat down with quite a few of our, our civilians here yeah. on the staff to learn that it, it is even hard on the civilian side to get an appointment to, uh, for, with, a, with a psychiatrist here in San Antonio. Uh, So I don't think it's we've solved anything yet. I think it's got the conversation going. I think it's varied across our Air Force on how the RTP went forward. But it's supposed to start that conversation. So if there's anything that you can get out of that resiliency tactical pause, this is now to open your eyes and not be afraid to look around and get to know and connect with the people with you.
1: I think uh, from a leadership standpoint, if the question is, you know, did leadership learn something from this? Because obviously tactical pauses is, is not a one and done. Yeah. Uh, this was absolutely to get a, a conversation started that needs to continue. I need, it, it, there's an attitude. There's an engagement aspect that has to continue. But the answer is yes. Uh, and, you know, Chief is bringing up one that, you know, was particularly uh of surprising and of interest to us here in AETC about the length of time it takes to be uh, seen uh, potentially uh, in uh, in our command on base and even more uh, so the time frame it takes off base uh, and that was absolutely elevated and it's, gonna, it's that is something substantive that leadership uh, can now dive in on and go okay we can apply resources to try to to alleviate some of that. Um, you know, the kind of the bottom line uh, take from that, I and mean, you, you know, connectiveness is kind of the buzzword that you hear that comes out of that. Uh, in many ways, you know, you envision this as an iPhone. We're as connected as we've ever been, uh, but we're not engaged. Uh, and so if you're a supervisor, if you're a subordinate, uh, if you're an airman, uh, you, uh, we, we need to be engaged, not just connected. Uh, and that that is a key. I, it's easy, again, another one that's easy to say, hard to do. Uh, but, you know, will there be another tactical pause? I hope not. Uh, I hope that this has kind of opened our eyes inside our Air Force to, that uh, says, hey, this is routine. Uh, this is an everyday occurrence, frankly, and then we don't have to take a pause uh, to kind of get ourselves reoriented. Uh, we may have to. I certainly hope not. But I, I think there has been a lot of positivity uh, to come out of this uh, resiliency cause. And there
0: was another question It's really kind of a two-part, but uh, the question is, what does your vision look like for the Key Spouse Program and, and, and enhancing the residences of our families? And, and we know infrastructure has been uh, a hot topic uh, for a little while now.
2: So I'll start with the spouses. I know that uh, many of our spouses across our, our wings uh, are very engaged right now. And, and they're also doing a lot more education, especially uh, like an MRT kind of uh, education as well. We found that in some of our cases where we had suicides, we actually had spouses out there that were very aware, but afraid. Um, because, you know, the the other spouses, you know, you're going to ruin my career if you mention anything about this. So what we're doing right now is trying to train some spouses out there as MRTs so that they can assist and they can step in um, when somebody needs help. The other piece about it is, It's connecting those spouse lines. We have so much going on, uh, whether or not it's at a wing, it's at a group, or at a squadron. And and, and many times, they're the eyes and ears of what is actually happening out there. And I think it's important to have programs in place for the key spouse program. We cannot uh, function without having those key spouse programs in our squadrons. They, They move mountains. And in every squadron, every group or every wing I've ever been in, it's back to that key spouse who is helping those other spouses not only come into the unit, but to adapt and overcome issues that they're experiencing as well.
1: So, so we didn't really cover, uh, as we're going through the priorities, but the see in uh, cultivating an environment of excellence, uh, one of the sub bullets is quality of life. We've hit many aspects of it. Uh, another piece of it, I think, uh, by residences, you are talking about just kind of infrastructure, housing, uh, dorms, uh, uh, dining facilities, et cetera. That uh, we incorporate uh, in our priority piece as well. And, uh, and there is plenty of work uh, that needs to be done in AETC to this uh, stead. Uh, frankly, it's become very clear to me uh, as I took the flag at AETC in the, in the midst of a uh, mold crisis, if you will, across our uh, command, uh, that I need to be kind of a, 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 a what, what we're now terming maligator uh, in terms of, uh, you, know, you know, kind of a nod to the second Air Force and their uh, training of their military working dogs. but uh, to really be that voice uh, and articulate that uh, listen, uh, we, we're kind of aware of the challenges that we've had as we moved into this privatized housing uh, environment. Uh, and ensuring be, uh, that wing commanders and leadership stay uh, engaged uh, with, uh, with uh, privatized housing companies. But it also applies on the dorms, and it applies in our defects as well. We need to do our part to be sure inside AETC to ensure that we're doing what we can do to help ourselves. Now that'll That helps some. That's certainly not the 100%. In fact, that's probably maybe 10 or 20% of it. Uh, but look, We need to do what we can on that uh, standpoint. But some of this simply is, has to be uh, investment uh, by the Air Force in some of this critical infrastructure. Frankly, I've, my talking point has become, uh, in Air Education Training Command, our dorms, our DFACs, are our weapon system. I mean, that is the weapon system when you talk about uh, basic military training in this, and we have to treat it as such. Uh, and, and we're just gonna have to be dogged about it, the pursuit of ensuring that uh, we're, we're properly paying attention to that, resourcing and doing what we can, uh, for ourselves as well.
0: So we have we have some other questions that I don't. They're not necessarily in any order. So it's the rapid fire, right? Okay. All right. All right. So we're gonna transition to rapid fire here. How about that, sir? That's right up your alley, sir. Yeah. All right. I'm I, so, I mean, gonna I give a rapid fire answer. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, and I, I'm going to admit, this first question, it, it has a couple of terms in here that I'm not familiar with as, as a PA, but you might be, Uh-oh. so we'll, we'll see what we can do. We're going to do our best to please... The, the
1: hard manager. ones I flipped to the chief, so you'll, you'll be able to tell. All
0: right,
2: I'll so, make up
1: something So, good. so this
0: question <laughs> is, is, what are your thoughts for flying training as the 60W and MH139 come closer to fruition? I was I was really hoping you knew what that meant.
1: The the sixty oh the oh the uh, the, the new uh, helicopters. Yeah, these are the new helicopters. Um, of course, I know what that is.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I did not. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> one, one of the initiatives that uh, you know we briefly skimmed across uh, with respect to transforming the way we learn. Uh, is PTN or pilot training next? Uh, UHT undergraduate helicopter training uh, has their own uh, next uh, going as well. In fact, they uh, that, that uh, unit just uh, graduated a class uh, several uh, significant weeks early uh, using some of these methods. Um, I, I think that you know as we as we get into these out years, and we still have a couple of years before we'll be full fledged in some of these new helicopters. Uh, this it's going to be a way of life. Uh, this, it won't, it'll be the new normal, you know, we won't even think about uh, the, the aspect of, appla- uh, excuse me, <clears throat> applying uh, artificial intelligence, um, uh, big data analytics, uh, v- uh, virtual reality into the training. And so the, these programs, for sure, uh, we will probably have already scaled into that fully when those helicopters are on board.
0: That's a great answer. You yeah. did good. Okay. okay. We're one for one so yeah. far, sir. All right. So here we go. The next thought. Uh, Are there thoughts on introducing, excuse me, Air Force doctrine and basic training as a building block to build upon through PME as experience and rank progress?
2: So I believe there are small pockets of doctrine already in our BMT curriculum. However, eight and a half weeks is a small amount of time to try to get in that depth of doctrine. And so what we're hoping to do is build up build upon that in our PME and then our other training. But to go so deep down into that BMT, I think would be counterproductive because right now they're just learning how to be airmen. But we're introducing the core values. We're introducing uh, uh, the various. Uh, what it means to be an airman to them through uh, what now airman videos as they go through the eight and a half weeks and becoming connected with one another. I think as we progress further in their Air Force careers, we're digging more into doctrine at that time.
0: One of the questions we got as a follow-up uh, here, we, you talked about the Big Six, and Joint Base San Antonio is, is a unique installation. Yeah. Uh, and the 502nd Air Base Wing has a monster job. General Linderman and her team, they do a wonderful job. Um, do you see any changes coming to JBSA? I think a lot of times people wonder, oh, will joint basing go away? Um, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that? Um,
1: yeah, I do. Uh, I don't think it's practical uh, that uh, we'll see a change uh, in the way JBSA is set up. Uh, have there been some uh, challenges? Of course, uh, there, there's challenges in every kind of construct. I don't think I think we're in year uh, 12 or something like that of uh, of the JBSA uh, experience. Uh, there is maturity that comes along uh, with uh, having those years under our belt. Uh, we uh, engage absolutely routinely with all our joint partners, uh, and there is Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines uh, in town uh, as part of jo- uh, Joint Base San Antonio. Uh, but we got to come at this together. Uh, there, you hear the scuttlebutt and the kind of rumor mill kind of piece uh, about hey, you will know, we'll this split up and that? Uh, but at the end of the day, this is about resourcing. We, the military, the Department of Defense, have the resources that we have. I don't think it's practical. I think we need to uh, be able to lean this out uh, to the best that we can uh, of our abilities uh, to get uh, to move this together as a joint base team. And I think we will.
0: And so as we, as we get ready to wrap it up, and we're going to talk a little bit about social media right at the close, but I wanted to give you an opportunity, um, you know, if, if there's something we hadn't talked about and you really wanted to talk about it. But uh, this has been a lot of fun. We've covered a lot of ground today. Um, these are exciting times in AATC.
2: Oh, they are. And uh, and I tell you what, it's been great. So we have a command team page out there now. So both Jonah Webb and I can go back and forth on Facebook and tell you a little bit about us. And we want it to be very personable. We want you to understand who we are as leaders. And then also we want you to feed us information. You know, what do we need to know here at AETC? I know we just opened a can of worms there. Uh, but we're also asking you to, to get after it. and then But find those ways to, you know, Find your outlet, relax as well when you're off duty. What is your balance? But I think we talked a little bit about the big six, and I just want to clear out what the big six here is in AETC is. And so those are our NAFs and our DRUs. So we have uh, the 502nd Air Base Wing. We have the 59th Medical Wing, 19th Air Force, 2nd Air Force, AFRS, and Air University and that makes up our big six team. And I will let you know that we can't do anything up here at headquarters uh, without working with these teams. And that's both the commanders and the chiefs. Uh, All of them provide a lot of significant uh, feedback uh, to what we're doing and how we're moving forward in AETC. ETC, this top floor, doesn't drive anything. The Air Force is telling our NAFs and our DRUs where we need to go, and they're being very uh, quick to adapt and move towards those directions. And one area we didn't cover was the big changes that happened here in BMT in this last year. So a few years ago, uh, we had actually had the SEAC come visit us, and uh, and I think it was a little disappointing after he saw our airmen fire, because uh, they weren't qualifying, they were just firing at targets, and a lot of them were clean sheets when they got down there to check it out. Uh, he also described, I think, the beast as more of a pillow fight, and, uh, and so, you know, taking a look at what airmen need to be, we actually traveled around the world with our chiefs from our NAFs and our DRUs and, and saw the airmen that we were producing and talking with uh, folks in Osan and Kunsan and USAFE to ask really are you getting the airmen you need and what we're finding is they were retraining them on several things once they got there that we weren't giving them in BMT so thanks to the genius folks at second air force they started running with it they took a lot of feedback very quickly and that was June July time period by September they had taken BMT and transformed it to add in qualification on weapons they also added um uh, uh, C, and then they also were taking a look at uh, what do we need to do with this Airman's Week that wasn't so popular. And so what we ended up doing was taking that Airman's Week and embedding it through the eight and a half weeks of basic military training, allowing them to become acclimated to the Air Force and then for their teammates to understand who they are. And that was huge, and also understanding who their TIs are as, as people as well. And then as you move those eight and a half weeks to become a stronger airman and then when you are struggling your teammates are going to be able to help you out so by the time we were done, and then also taking a look at uh, the readiness aspects between the firing, we went to M4s, no more M16s down there, and then also more time uh, for them to understand C. Bernie's self-aid buddy care of the C site, is we were producing airmen who were actually ready for the fight versus having to repeat training once they got to Osan or Kunsan or, you know, anywhere in, in U safety as well. This was huge, so a big thanks goes out to our 2nd Air Force uh, family who made that happen
1: or any last... Did you want me to comment on the social media or AETC? Well, I got I lost gonna, in the question.
0: I was, I was going to get to social media at the end. I just didn't okay. know if you had any last closing comments uh, before we, we talked social media and uh, closed up. Well, I think from a, from a
1: closing comment uh, respective of uh, AETC, uh, the role that Air Education Training Command and the First Command, I mean, I think that is a perfect uh, moniker for our uh, organization, uh, is absolutely crucial. Uh, for our United States Air Force. Uh, the uh, foundation is absolutely laid. You know, fundamental of that, of course, will be core values, which is why I spent so much time harping on that. Uh, but we, uh, the Air, you know, as the saying goes, the Air Force starts here. Uh, so that the role that uh, everyone plays in this command on ensuring that our Air Force is absolutely ready and lethal uh, to provide a uh, combat-ready force with the right warfighting ethos uh... should our nation uh... you know call upon us again uh... starts right here uh... so i'm proud of each and every one of our airmen that uh, makes up AETC i could not be
0: more uh, pleased uh, to be in command at this uh, point in time well this was a lot of fun today and we promise social media you can follow the AETC command team on facebook twitter and instagram handles all the same at AETC command team and and General Webb and Chief Gudgel are always thrilled when their posts get way more likes. Than, than we're killing you right we're now. We're trying, yeah. we're trying, we're in a competition <laughs> here. so yeah. Since, since yeah. we're having a live stream, I'm going to just make a plug, <laughs> please follow Air Education Training <laughs> wow. on social media.
1: Hey, 19th Air Force is stepping up their game they, too. Uh, so yeah. there's yeah. a lot
0: of And a lot of commanders and, and chiefs are out there on yeah. social media as well. So we hope you're following us. Obviously you're following us on Facebook because we're live streaming from there to day but we also got a question and and it leads into my last comment was what's your favorite song to play on the guitar and there's a rumor going around that you might have a gig coming up and people can actually watch it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well there's tons of uh, songs that I enjoy uh, playing I'm a rocker I, I make no bones about that I like to play rock and roll uh, You've Gotta be careful with uh, watching the lyrics <laughs> with the songs that I can play uh, publicly. Uh, but I've played with the uh, the band at a at a, at a you know the Air Force uh, Band of the West here uh, recently. I got to play uh, Everlong by Foo Fighters. That's a great song. Uh, and we're going to do a holiday uh, piece uh, coming up here. I guess you're going to uh, plug it here. But uh, the the Band of the West has asked me to. To play a little uh, uh, holiday medley uh, with them, it happens to be a Foo Fighters piece as well. Just it's coincidental, (laughs) Uh, I guess. (laughs) And uh, and yeah, that's I think the uh, first week or so of uh, December seventh and eighth, something like that. Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, and I'm gonna gonna play with the band. It'll be good.
0: So you can you can actually watch that live streaming on the Band of the West uh, Facebook page. So hope you'll turn tune in. But Chief General Webb, I really appreciate you taking time out and joining us. This is such a great medium, a great way to to kind of talk. And I know you guys don't get to talk to everybody you'd really like to talk to. So this is really a lot of fun.
2: Good, thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan.
0: So for Chief Gudgel, General Webb, I'm Dan Hawkins. We'll talk to you next time.
2: And that's a wrap.
0: Just like that, episode number 21 is in the book. So exciting to see how AETC is working hard to create a learning environment that postures us in the best way possible to provide warfighters to those combatant commands across the globe and General Webb and Chief Gudgel's priorities uh, keep us aligned with what we need to do to execute the national defense strategy. So thank you, of course, to General Webb and Chief Gudgel for spending that time with us and helping tell the AETC story to all of our airmen. As a reminder, you can follow Air Education and Training Command via social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also follow us on the web at www.aetc.af.mil. You can also follow General Webb and Chief Gudgel on social media, AETC Command Team, across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for checking out the podcast as we dive into the world of recruiting, training, and education. For our entire AETC Public Affairs team, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long. We'll talk to you next time on Developing Mach 21 Airmen.